We have a new sponsor that we're really excited about. Unforgettable is a little company that paints art then that's printed onto baseballs. Super detailed, check out their designs. They have balls for Shea Stadium, City Field, Yankee Stadium, Tolini to see. Also some baseball history balls, like a Core 4 ball and a Yogi Berra tribute ball. Check out unforgettableballs.com for more. Been high in the Rockies, under the Evergreens. I know what I'm needing, and I don't wanna waste more time. I'm in a New York state of mind. Hello, and welcome to the New York Baseball Podcast. Today, we have a very special guest, Chip Correy. He currently serves as a television broadcaster for the Atlanta Braves. Welcome, Chip. How are you? I'm doing great, guys. You? Doing well. well. Thanks for asking. So, without further ado, we're just gonna, we have a few questions for you, and then we'll get out of here. But this is an awesome opportunity. It's our first time we've had a sports broadcaster on. So, uh, this is, thank you for that. This is really cool. So, our first question is obviously just how you've been doing with COVID, how's your family doing, and what have you been doing to stay busy and just how's it going pretty much? Well, first thing is uh, we're doing great. We were very fortunate in the county where I live. Very few cases, very few deaths, thank God. Quite different situation here than New York. And obviously yeah. everybody in the country is uh, very, very sad for what happened. And hopefully uh, we're on the downswing of this. I firmly believe that we are. Uh, so we came away from it uh, just fine. Uh, our daughter graduated college. We didn't get to see that, unfortunately. But I've got twin sons that are college juniors at home. I've got an 11-year-old at home. So I've got a honeydew list about nine miles long, and I need to go back to work so I can get some rest. Uh, but uh, look, we're excited that baseball is going to be back. Uh, hopefully we can get all the games in. Hopefully we can get the playoffs in. And hopefully we can all sit back after 2020 and say, wow, what an amazing ride. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> Very excited about that. So I just want to know a little more about you. So I just want to talk about yourself your broadcasting career and how you got this the play-by-play -play job with the Braves. Yeah, I'm, I'm not real comfortable talking about me, but I'll, I'll, give, you the, <laughs> I'll give you the thumbnail sketch. Uh, you know, my father and grandfather were broadcasters, as you guys know. I'm a third-generation broadcaster. Uh, Harry started with the Cardinals in 45, ended up with the Cubs. My dad started with the Braves in 76. Uh, I came to Atlanta in 91, left, went to Seattle, the Cubs, and then came back in 2005. I've done the NBA, did the Shaquille O'Neal years with the Orlando Magic as their first TV announcer in their expansion seasons. And I've been with the Braves ever since uh, 2005 on Fox Sports with Jeff Francoeur, Joe Simpson, and Tom Glavin. Uh, this will be my, let me think, this will be my 29th year in Major League Baseball, uh, which doesn't seem possible. Uh, and uh, it's been a great ride. I enjoy it uh, quite tremendously. It's a great way to make a living. The hard part is uh, being away from your family. And so to your earlier question about COVID and how we're adapting to that, uh, we've tried to look at these, uh, shall we say, gift days and gift months as exactly that, time we don't normally have. My wife and I got to celebrate uh, her birthday and our anniversary in the same city for the first time since we've been married. And so those little things that you kind of take for granted because you're flying to Pittsburgh or doing a game in San Diego or, or doing a pregame show with the manager. Um, those things I think kind of get uh, lost in the shovel because the job is the job. So uh, we've coped quite well. Uh, we we um, have a great uh, partnership. She understands the uh, independent nature that she has to have. I certainly have it as well. And uh, it seems to work six months on, six months off. And uh, this year it's been, well, shall we say, 10 months off, two on. So we'd like to get that proportion inversed ASAP. 
<laughs> of course, yeah. And for everybody listening to this podcast at home, and if you watch um, just games in the NL East constantly, like I do and stuff, I'm sure you're recognizing Chip's voice right now. Uh, but yeah, that's what, I just wanted to mention again, I hadn't said this on the podcast yet. I watch so many Mets games when they're in Atlanta and your voice just like, it sticks with me. Even though sometimes I don't, I'm, I'm on the wrong end of the call, I still appreciate your calls because they are amazing calls. So I wanted to say that. <laughs> You're very kind. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say two horrifying words to you right now for all your Mets fans. You ready? Braves win. You ready? No. <laughs> Chipper Jones. Oh, oh. <laughs> uh, but no, you know we we're uh, we're really lucky. We have uh, we have a great rivalry with all the guys in the uh, National League East. And uh, Gary, Ron, and Keith are great friends. They're terrific broadcasters. They represent the Mets very well. They're such three distinct, unique personalities, and they come together and make for a great broadcast. Uh, and that's, I think, uh, the next question that people always ask me is, what do you miss most about not having games right now? It's not the game. I mean, we all love the game. That's a given. Uh, we all love our jobs. It's the opportunity to mingle and talk with people and uh, reestablish friendships, ask about the wives and the kids and what's going on around baseball, just to talk and to be around people that have a similar love of the sport that we have. And uh, while we probably won't be traveling this year, uh, I know our crew is going to do our best to give the Mets fans the best possible coverage we can under the new normal as it was. And I know the Mets will return the favor. And ultimately, all we care about is seeing the Mets lose every time they pro play the Braves. <laughs> and I'm pretty confident that's going to happen. <laughs> so is there a certain broadcast career that you're closest with? I know maybe with NL East you see them more, but is there a certain career that you're? You know, I, I think we're pretty close to all of them. Dan McLaughlin with the Cardinals is a great friend of mine. Uh, the guys in Philadelphia, uh, Tom McCarthy and his crew, yeah. even the radio guys, they're phenomenal people. Uh, the Mets guys, just great. Howie Rose, I mean, how can you out like Howie and Gary and yeah. uh, uh, you know, all the people in New York? Uh, John Sterling, Susan Waldman, great friends of mine. You know, John's in his 80s and Susan's in her late 70s, and they're mm -hmm. still doing this and doing it well. That's pretty remarkable. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think uh, the thing that I try to remember is it's a pretty cool and exclusive fraternity, and uh, everybody is doing what they do because they're excellent at their craft. They care about the game. They care about the profession. They care most of all about the fans. And like the players, uh, you know, even the 25th, 26th guy on a roster was the best player on every team he ever played on. And I like to think the same of the broadcasters, no matter uh, what market they work in or how many innings they do, they are the best in the world at their craft and they're in the major leagues for a reason. And so uh, we're all very proud of that. I think uh, we all approach it very differently, quite obviously, because it's a personality driven business, but there's a great deal of respect and uh, shall we say uh, camaraderie uh, amongst us as we uh, merrily travel our way across the country and talk about baseball. Right. And between innings, like um, like on TV when there's commercial breaks, do you ever uh, talk and like interact with the, like, the other crew like right next to you? I know like the booster. Oh, all like... the time. <laughs> yeah. All the time. Yeah, all the time. Uh, you know, some crews are, um, you know, they, they don't have a big screen behind them. Other crews tape up the windows so we can't interact with them. And that's half fun. I mean, you mentioned another crew that's so much fun is F.P. Santangelo, Bob Carpenter of the Nationals. Mm -hmm. um, F.P. is kind of like my little troll. Uh, I'm 6'6", <laughs> and he's about 5'4". <laughs> so, uh, so we, we, we goof around uh, like that, but those are the, the, those are the kinds of things that I think take the pressure off of us because, uh, there are a lot of great things that happen in sports and there are a lot of absurd things that happen in sports and in television as a result. And we all sort of live those moments together. And when we can roll our eyes and look at each other and speak an unspoken language, and everybody knows exactly what's going on. That's when it's really fun. And as, as you guys, I'm sure understand, um, broadcasting is about relationships. It really is. It's not just a relationship you have with your team or your organization. It's about the relationship you have with your fans. And I think that as long as you're honest and uh, 
and let people know who you are and more importantly, what you're not. Whether they like you or not, it's incidental. It's whether they respect you or not that's important. And I think uh, most of our colleagues that we work with and work uh, amongst uh, do exactly that. Of course. Yeah, so, funny. yeah. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned John and Stu. I'm a big Yankee fan, so I hear them all the time. It's amazing how they're still, you know, doing a strong they're job. They're amazing. Yeah, they're yeah, great. he's amazing, and they're and they're really wonderful people. They care about the game. They do a great job. Um, and you know, I knew John when he was in Atlanta doing the Hawks games. I was an intern at TBS when he was doing the Braves games way back when. Hell, I was probably 12, 13 years old. I'm 55 now, and he's still going strong. And uh, you know, God bless him. Uh, you know, guys like that that have that kind of drive, that kind of stamina, and that kind of love for the game. They should be cherished and celebrated, and hopefully John will uh, continue to do it for many years to come, along with Susan, too. For sure. So, um, obviously now, just breaking news, like, hot off the stove, like, the other day, yesterday, 2020 season, it's here, it's official, there's a proposed plan. So, we want to know your take on it, what's going to be the traveling circumstances, and just what do you think about the new rule changes, because kind of your general opinion of the 2020 season so, uh, that's coming up. Well, lots to unpack. Obviously, there's not going to be a perfect season, but any games are better than no games. Uh, I don't think the sport could have survived in a meaningful way being dark for 18 months. Uh, obviously, the virus and all that and, and the permutations of it are a concern for everybody, but I think we're going to play through it. Uh, the Again, I'm not a doctor, but a lot of people I know and trust are saying that they believe the virus is over. We're putting out fires now. I believe that. Uh, the young, the players themselves are going to be as protected as anybody in the universe. They will be as well protected as technology and the sport can allow them to be. And they're young with strong immune systems, generally speaking. So if they get it, chances are they're going to be fine once they recuperate. So that said, uh, look, I believe that uh, uh, this year is going to be a Petri dish. That's an interesting analogy, but I think that's what it's going to be. Uh, and I'm all for it. Let's try the DH. Let's see if we like it. Let's try the runner at second and extra innings. See if we like it. Let's eliminate replay. That ain't going to happen, but let's see if we really need it. Uh, let's try all of the things that baseball has been attempting to do in the minor leagues, but use it with major league players. Let's see how they adapt and whether they like it. And if it does make the game better, uh, I do not believe that this is going to be a season that requires an asterisk uh, because of the things I mentioned before, the short number of games, uh, the short spring training again, uh, the COVID, the travel restrictions and all that, plus, you know, the extra pressure of the playoffs. Uh, I, I think it'll be a, as significant a championship as any other because that's the, the nature of, of the way the, the schedule was set up. Where I am disappointed is I think this deal could have been done weeks ago. Uh, the foot dragging that took place between both sides, I think, put a big stain on the game. Speaking strictly as a fan and for myself, I was disgusted by it. Mm -hmm. Wrong argument at the wrong time. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't understand the player's strategy of banking on a grievance finding for them to make them more money. Uh, I believe that both sides have a greater responsibility to the game and to try to grow it with the DH with uh, expanded playoffs, with more excitement. This is not the year to be a purist. This is a year to really put our game front and center. And they blew an opportunity to do that by getting going earlier in July. That said, I still think they can recover some of that ground. We get the stars on the field. We get games going. Maybe we get fans in the stands at some point. We have a crazy, wild NCAA-style playoff tournament where anybody can make the playoffs this year in a short 60-game schedule. I think that'll drive a lot of excitement and give people some optimism going into 2021, which, of course, is a very big year. So I kind of wanted to ask you, because <coughs> the Braves have a lot of young studs in their team. I mean, between Acuna, Albies, I mean, uh, just they've, I mean, that's the only name of two, Soroka. They have so many young stars in their team. 
Um, and I'm sure you've talked to them. I'm sure you've interacted with them and stuff. Just um, which players have you interacted with the most? And also, like, what what are they like as, as a fan, just pure, purely as a fan of the game? Like, what are their personalities like and how is interacting with them? Uh, you know, I, I think it's been interesting for me because it's an evolutionary process as a broadcaster, the same as a player. Uh, when I started, I was 24 years old. I was their age. I was a kid. And most of the broadcasters were 50, 60, 65 years old. Now I'm 55 and they're 23. So I'm old enough to be their dad. It's a different relationship. But that said, the thing about Atlanta is they don't tolerate, um, they don't tolerate bad apples. They just don't put up with it. It's not worth it. It's too damaging to a locker room, in my opinion. Um, we are very, very fortunate that these guys are drafted and developed, not just because of their great baseball skills, but because they're good people by and large. And look, I don't know everything they do off the field. That's none of my business. How they interact with me is, and all of them have been extremely polite, extremely courteous, extremely helpful. And I believe that there's not a guy I couldn't walk up to in that locker room, barring a language barrier, and ask him anything that I needed to know. And they've been very, very cooperative of that. I think today's players are a lot savvier in that they understand the role media has in making or breaking them as personalities. They're not just players anymore. They're mini corporations. And we really do a lot to help them off the field by showing a side of them that fans wouldn't see. Freddie Freeman swinging the bat with his little son, Charlie. I mean, every parent, every father, every son can relate to a video like that. And when they let us uh, show that side of them, I think, uh, it really humanizes them in a way that most people can't possibly understand. So to answer your question, uh, we're lucky. We have really good guys. Uh, Mike Soroka is one of the nicest human beings you'd ever want to meet. Max Freed, very smart, very intelligent, terrific. Nick Marcakis doesn't say a word, but when he speaks, you listen. But he will answer any question you have. Freddie Freeman, another great human being. And that comes from the, the uh, standard set by Bobby Cox and passed along by Brian Snitker, who's our manager. He gets along with everybody, and it makes it very easy for us to do our jobs, and we stay out of the way enough to let them do theirs. Yeah, it's just so cool um, how you have that connection with them. And there's so many questions that I have, but we only have time for a few. So I'm, so I'm, I'm sure. trying to get the best one. I'll, I'll, answer, I'll answer smaller. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. You're, I, I, love, I love the detailed answers because it really gives us a lot of insight and the people listening. But, uh, yeah, this is great. So, uh, Noah, did you have any more questions about, like, the Braves clubhouse and stuff? Um, yeah, so how was – I know Bobby Cox. I'm sure you guys interact with him. How was – you know, I've, I've heard great things about him. But how was he kind of – The greatest – Absolutely the greatest. What you saw is what you got. Uh, Bobby Cox is the kind of guy that set the record for most ejections by a major league manager, which, by the way, we need back in the game. It was entertainment. Yeah, That's just yeah. one man's opinion. Uh, <laughs> but he's the kind of guy that he'd get thrown out of a game on the road. He'd be going out to dinner after the game, and he'd see the umpires at the next table, and he'd send him a bottle of wine or pick up the check. Or he'd walk to home plate the next day. Hey, guys, how's it going? Like it never, ever happened. Um, Bobby's a great guy. He's going through some health problems right now, and everybody who loves baseball hopes that Bobby's going to get back to the ballpark like everybody real soon. But uh, Prince of a Guy, it was Bobby Cox who came back from Toronto that set the stage for the Braves' renaissance in the early 90s, uh, kind of like what Atlanta did a few years ago. They traded away the stars. They were going to stink on the field of the major league level, but they were going to draft and develop high school pitchers and get them to the big leagues and trade for them too. And when they were in a position to go sign a guy to put him over the top, a la Greg Maddox, they added him to Steve Avery and John Smoltz and Tom Glavin, and the rest is history. And that's kind of what the Braves have gotten back to. For a six, seven, eight-year period, Braves got away from what made them the Braves. I think they've gotten back to that. I think if there's a model that more teams are following, it's the Braves model that is again in vogue again.
Speaking of like, uh, like your opinion about you want to be there more ejections, more entertainment. Like I'm, I'm with you. I agree. I miss the times where a manager can go out there and scream at the umpire and get ejected and fire up his team. And we still see that a little bit now, but obviously with replay, it's a little less because if you go out after replay, you're going to get ejected in like a second or two. But I wanted to know your opinion and what you think of, um, obviously we have instant replay now. So instant replay just at, by itself for, for the plays in the field and also the possibility of, a robo-umpire calling balls and strikes. So just what is your opinion on both of those things? Well, I can see the argument from the player's perspective. If you're a pitcher and you don't get a strike, it can change the entire game. I mean, that's it's unavoidably true. Uh, however, I believe that the game's played with a human element. I grew up in mm -hmm. St. Louis. I still remember Don Denkinger's call in the World Series that cost the Cardinals the game and eventually the World Series. Um, and you know, that's not an indictment of Don. It was just a bad play. Um, you know, I believe that the human element should reign supreme. Uh, I like the fact that Human, pe human beings make mistakes. Lord knows I've made plenty of them in my career and in my life. Um, that doesn't make me a bad person. It means I've had a bad day and that's okay. The problem I have with replay is that is several fold. Number one, we're arguing about a bang bang play by the number eight hitter in the second inning at first base in a scoreless game. Enough. Make your decision. Let's not look for the, not, let's not wait for the replay people to say, hey, replay it or review it. Make the decision within five seconds. If you don't, too late. You got to decide without technology. That's number one. Um, number two, there has been very little communication as to what exactly is being reviewed. Now, we understand a play at first base, bang, bang, safe or out, no problem, or fair or foul. That's pretty easy. But when you have a complex tag rule or overrunning bases and stuff like that, Everybody in the ballpark just sits and looks at a screen saying the play is under review and looks at a replay. Why, you know, they were talking about having some sort of a system to notify the broadcasters and by a, a extension, the audience at home or at the ballpark, what was being reviewed like they do in the NFL. If you're going to do it, tell the people what the hell you're reviewing so the broadcasters don't sound like idiots guessing. Don't make the fans sit there and wonder what the hell they're reviewing. Tell them. Put them on a live feed and let them hear the – let's have a camera, a review cam like they do in, in FIFA World uh, Soccer. Put them, in the, put them in the room so we can see the process, and it's transparent. As it stands now, the perception by some – not necessarily me – the perception by some is – that we're just going to say there's not enough evidence because we don't want bad reviews for the umpires or we don't want bad reviews for replay. I'm not saying that's the case, but you can understand why that perception exists because it is not as transparent or as communicative or as fast as I think it should be in this day and age. Right. And yeah. I also think that, the, like you said, the human element, in my opinion, just you're right. It reigns supreme over all the other like te te technical things, especially, especially with like one of the most ridiculous replays, I, I think it's like when the calls get reversed is when a runner beats the throw at second base on a, when they're stealing and their foot comes like halfway off the bag and they reverse it because of that. I just think that's, that's one of the parts that I think is like a nonsense about it. In my well, that, you're, that's an excellent point because look, there's so much, shall we say, sterility that's been enforced upon the game. And I'm not advocating anybody gets hurt. Uh, but let's face facts. Buster Posey got run over at the plate. He had bad technique at the plate. He broke his leg. Uh, it was a clean play. It was a hard slide. He got hurt. Uh, those things happen. Uh, Chase Utley in the Tejada slide. Okay. He, you know, he, he got hurt. Uh, if you want to see a hard slide, look at the Royals and the Yankees in the late 70s in the playoffs and watch Willie Randolph get knocked into left field by Hal McCray, I believe it was, or Amos Otis, whoever it was. Watch that and compare that to today's game. Look, the most athletic players in the game are the guys that play up the middle, the shortstop and the second base. And by the point you just made, you are disincentivizing guys from trying to steal bases because they pop off for a millisecond and the glove is on them. Now, letter of the law, 
absolutely, he came off the base, he's out. But the greater spirit of the rule destroys the pitcher, batter, catcher, base runner matchup, which is so inherently a part of our game. Taking guys out on double plays, the art of, is he using the bag as a defense? Is he going to go over the top? Is he going to step back? The cat and mouse game at the bag. All of that is gone, and that is, I think, the great ballet of baseball that's being taken away so where everybody's just just dancing the, the a box step waltz instead of you know doing the Charleston out there and uh, as a baseball purist and somebody who loves the game I miss that again I don't want anybody getting hurt but when you see guys standing on the bag and they slide by and his cleat accidentally clicks him on the ankle and the shortstop or second base looks down at the base runner like he wants to fight that's not baseball and that's not what baseball was ever intended to be it's a tough game played by tough guys and it can still be played cleanly but hard. And I think some of that is missing, and I think fans miss it too. And I think that's uh, uh, reflected in uh, most fans' opinion or many fans' opinion about replay and the way it's implemented, especially in those two cases. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I've seen that numerous times with the slide. Just kind of move on to another question real quick for you. Yeah. I know you seem like more of a National League guy with the Braves, and obviously with this new rule with the universal DH. Kind of, What's your take on that? And do you think it takes away some of the strategy element of the game? And do you support the universal DH? I'll answer the second question first. Yes, it'll take away some of the strategy. Uh, the first part of the question I'll answer, and he's a dear friend of mine, and if he was sitting here, I would tell you, I would say this to his face. Have you ever seen Mike Poltonevich hit? <laughs> so I'm in favor of anybody but him being at the plate, uh, respectfully. Um, and to, to answer the question, really, um, you know, game, the game has to evolve. And I am, a, I am a National League guy. I like the strategy. I like the double switches. I like all of that. Uh, but again, there's no guarantee it's going to continue. It probably will. Um, but let's see if it works. Let's see if fans really miss watching pitchers bunt. My perception is personally, I think I will, but I may have my mind changed if we see more players in the game who are offensive minded players and can put the ball in play. That's the biggest problem that we have in the game. Kevin Kernan, great friend of mine, uh, formerly of the New York Post said there were 58,000 plate appearances last year in Major League Baseball. 58,000 where the ball was not put in play, walks or strikeouts. And a big bunch of those was pitchers trying to hit in the National League. So uh, anything we can do to create more excitement, get the ball in play more, or the risk of the ball being in play more, I'm in favor of. Because, look, let's face it, kids your generation, don't sit and watch a game for three and a half hours from first pitch to last, generally speaking. And we have got to find a way to capture that audience where the demographic for our game is going to continue to age and continue to dwindle in this world where so much social media and instant gratification via digital media uh, is so important for your age group. Just one man's opinion. So, yeah, we'll definitely see how it works out. Also, the runner on second yeah. base, I know, is going to be a very interesting rule. But yeah, just kind of, yeah, why not? Yeah, just kind of wrap things up. I'm trying to do a fun question for you. I'm sure you've gotten this before, but do you have a favorite call from your career over all the years? Oh, man, uh, that's really for fans to say. Um, I think one thing I'm proud of is that the big moment calls that I've done throughout my career, they've always stood up, whether it was NBA or the Cubs. Uh, Kerry Woods, 20 strikeout game, here comes the hook. That was a favorite. Uh, the first game back at Wrigley Field after 9-11, Sammy Sosa hits a homer. He rounds first. And I, he, I say he's got old glory, too, and he's running around the bases with a flag in his hand. Uh, Jason Hayward's first swing in the major leagues was a home run against the Cubs. Um, you know, I... I don't, I, don't, I don't go back and listen to my games. I don't go back and listen to my highlights. Look, it's flattering when they use them. As you said, I guess I have a distinctive voice, and maybe that's my gift. I can describe things in real time and somehow, some way, make it exciting 95% of the time. 
Um, but you know, I'm, I'm really lucky. Uh, um, you know, I didn't learn a ton from my dad and grandfather because I wasn't around them. But the one thing they did teach me, and I would encourage all of your viewers who want to do this crazy job, is this. you got to be you. You've got to be yourself, warts and all. And I think if you do that, your natural personality will take over. Your passion for whatever it is you do will take over. And people will like you or not like you for who you are, not what they think you are. And I'd much rather have it be that way than any other. So those would be three examples for you. What you do have a distinctive voice. <laughs> you said, uh, Hayward, walk off. I thought, welcome to the show, right? Immediately, I yeah. said that. That's a call that sticks with me because I watched so many highlights of that. And, and that, was, that, was, that was an amazing call fight. That was amazing. Call. Well, I was, it was my first day with, uh, back at Fox Sports South after coming to the Cubs. And uh, it was an exciting day for a lot of us and sort of set the tone for uh, Jason's career. And uh, look, that's, that's, that's our job, really. Uh, I think every broadcaster who does this lives for those moments. Uh, and whatever happens comes out. I mean, I don't think Al Michaels thought about, do you believe in miracles? Yes, that's just the natural emotion. And that's my point. If you script it, not nearly as good as when it's just raw emotion and it comes out. Like all of us, though, you just hope you don't screw it up. <laughs> because those also live forever. And I've got a couple of those out in the blogosphere someplace, too. So um, yeah, just be you, have fun with it, and let your natural passion flow, and I think people will enjoy it. Chip, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on our New York Baseball Podcast today. This was Chip Carey, the TV voice, the play-by-play of the Atlanta Braves. Thank you so much for coming on, and yeah, good, and good luck with the upcoming season with all your calls and everything. Hey, I look forward Thank to you hearing. very much. I, I thought for a minute you were going to say go Braves. <laughs> Maybe next time. Not quiet, not quiet. Right, thanks so much for having me. You guys okay. stay safe up there. All right, of thanks course, again. you too. All right, bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.